everybody and a very big welcome if you've just joined us here at Victory Life Church Online. A fantastic, fantastic weekend ahead. It's Easter 2018 and as Christians all over the world, we are celebrating what Jesus came to accomplish in our lives. Not just his death, not just the cross, no, but his determination to press through, to give us hope, to give us a future and to give us our eternal existence and the form of the resurrection. What a wonderful weekend we are going to have in just a few days' time. Before we jump into our preparation message for Easter, I'd just like to pray with you, and then we can jump into the Word and enjoy getting ready for this momentous occasion. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that we can come together from wherever we are in the world. We can celebrate you. We can celebrate what you achieved because of this incredible platform, because of this technology. We can come together and bow our knees, all tribes, nations, tongues, and creeds. We can bow before you, and we can worship you as one people with one voice. And so with that one voice, we declare that you are our God, and there is no other In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people all over the world said amen and amen. A big welcome to you again if you've just joined us. For those of you here in the room, thank you so much for being with us today. It's awesome that you can join us and just be part of this international growth, this international excitement that builds all around the world at this time of the year. We're in the second part of a, of a series entitled Easter Question uh, Mark. What is Easter all about? Why do we celebrate it? What is the genuine parts or, or, or fiber or makeup of Easter? What, what is it that makes this Easter such an incredible, incredible celebration? And remember last week in Easter Question Mark number one, we said, hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to take a look at our primary responses or the four primary principles around Easter. And last Last week, we took a look and said, hey, when Jesus came, he gave us a hope, a hope that we couldn't have in ourselves or because of ourselves, something that we we couldn't create or conjure up in our own world. This hope that we have is being given to us by Jesus. It's a different kind of hope. It's a, it's a divine hope that, that he has given us. And we took a look at what it means to have hope in Jesus as opposed to have hope in ourselves. This week, we're going to take a look at the celebration of grace, what it means to walk, walk in this process of grace, what it means when God says that he has grace for you, and what it means to receive God's grace. In week three, it's actually Easter celebration itself. In fact, the third part or the third element of grace that we want to experience is how God used Easter to put relationships back together. Because he was able to put a relationship back together with you and with him, we could receive his love again. We, we realized we were worthy of his love again. Well, then, because of that receiving of his love, we could love him back and we could love others through Easter. Easter, he is fixing and he's atoning and he's putting things back together. And then finally, we're going to have a really, really special uh, time after Easter, the Wednesday after Easter and the Thursday after Easter, to have a look at our response to Easter and what it is that we are going to do about what Jesus has done for us. 
But no matter what we are looking at, no matter what lens we're looking at, whether it's the hope, whether it's the grace, whether it's the atonement, whether it's our response, it doesn't matter how we look at Easter. Easter fundamentally came and was celebrated and was put in place. This death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus occurred to give you what you could not get for yourself. It gave you the kind of hope that you could not have for yourself. It kind of gave you a gift called grace that you could not create for yourself. It demonstrated a love that you could not have in your heart. It's not something that we could create. It was a divine occurrence that gave us that which we could not have for ourselves. It took away things like sin that we could not take away on our own. It restored things like relationships with God that we could not restore on our own. This Easter really is a moment where we have to realize that what is happening is giving us, we are beneficiaries to things that we could not have done on our own. Today, though, it would be really awesome if we could just unpack what it means to walk in grace, because Easter really is a demonstration of God's grace to mankind. And I'd like to just take a moment in our busy schedules to have a look at what it means to to walk in grace, to to have this grace in us. And what I'd like to do, and I know it's going to be quite a lengthy section of scripture, but I'd like to read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 10. Now, Ephesians is in the second part of the Bible. If you do have a Bible with you and you're looking up scriptures and you're not as familiar with the Bible as, as, as you'd like to be, well, Ephesians is near the, the second half of the second half of the Bible. It was written by a guy called Paul, and he was writing to a congregation of a church in, in Ephesus, and uh, Ephesians is where he, is, all of his letters are stored, the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 to 10. If you can't find a Bible, you don't have a Bible, download a Bible app. There's a good one called Version, And what you can also do is just click on the notes section of um, the, the, the online platform and you'll be able to get with the Bible verses there and all of the notes for the message. Let's have a look. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 to 10. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. That's me. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God, say it with me, God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we were united with Jesus Christ. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he has planned for us long, long ago. Wow, what a scripture where God outlines how by sending his son, by sending Jesus Christ, by, by you celebrating that Easter with Jesus, you are ready to receive grace and walk a life 
with God, sin-free, where sin doesn't govern you. I know we all make mistakes, but that scripture is saying that that way of living no longer governs you, and you can have a new life with deeds that God has planned for you, good deeds indeed. But you know what, Pastor Craig? I'm not good enough to receive God's love. I'm not good enough to receive God's grace. I've got this going on and that going on, and I've got this addiction happening, and I've got these issues, and I've got these financial woes, and when I get my life in order, I will start responding to God's grace. I think I need to get my life in order before I can do anything for God. Before I go back to church, I really want to learn the Bible a bit better. I really want to do X, Y, or Z a bit better. If you've ever said any of those things in your heart or in your mind, if you have ever felt that you're not good enough to be with God, that you've got to fix something before you can be with God, or maybe you've lost hope and you realize you'll never be able to fix the things on your own to get back with God, well then Easter is for you because Easter is about giving that which you can't do on your own to you despite your situation. You see, God's grace is God's desire to love you despite your condition. That scripture says that, that, you know what, it's nothing that you can do to win or earn God's love, approval, and grace. You see, if you are sitting in that situation and you put your hand up and said, hey, I've got lots to do, I've got things to do, I've got to, got to make myself right, well then, just by saying that, according to that scripture, you are qualified for God's grace. Now, I don't know about you, but ever since moving to the United States of America, the postal service here is pretty hectic. You get so many adverts and advertisements and things in the mail that, that it just your, your mailbox, you always feel loved because you're always getting post. And when you open up the post, there's a, there's a fake credit card and you are qualified. You have qualified for the following benefits. And it lists all the wonderful things of debt that you can get into. But the fact remains is that when you see those words, you are qualified. You, you start already feeling good about yourself. The moment you say that you are not good enough for God, that is the very attitude that qualifies you for God's grace. It's not being good. It's not being right. It's not being genuine. It's not being all righteous and holy that qualifies you for God's grace. No, just by admitting that you can't rectify your life on your own, that is what qualifies you for God's grace. Have a look at that first three verses again. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, how many of us, because of our circumstances and our lives, we feel dead inside? I know that was me for a long time. Dead inside. No hope. Got to try and do it on my own. Always failing. Always never making progress that, that seems real. Dead inside. Adam and Eve had the same feeling, and that's what God said to them. The moment you step away from my grace, the moment you start believing that you're not good enough and that you need external things like an apple on a tree to, to feel good about yourself, the moment you start believing that, that you've got to try and do it on your own, you are going to die. And man, have I experienced that in my life. Dying to self, just, just not in Jesus, but just dying inside, saying, hey, I'm not good enough. I'll never achieve anything. And you begin to feel like you're just living a life in a hamster's wheel. Number, verse number two says, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. 
Wow, I never really thought of myself obeying the devil, but when I read the scripture that there's only two masters, there's only a God and there's only a devil, and if I'm not doing it God's way in grace, then I'm doing it the devil's way in blame and in shame, well then we, we, we find ourselves, hey, serving the devil. We find ourselves walking in, a, in, in the devil's paradise. It all looks good on the veneer, but on the inside you're dying. I don't know about you, but those of you who have dipped into this world, those of you who've, who've tried the, the things of this world, taken the things that this world has to offer and run with them, I can guarantee you that you've never experienced the kind of life that you find in Jesus Christ. So if I'm dead inside because of my circumstance, if I'm in a situation where I'm living in sin, I have an addiction, I have a, an issue in my life, maybe it's because I, I've done something wrong to somebody, maybe I've hurt somebody, maybe I'm still, right now, as you come online, you've just come from an addiction, you've come from a website, you've come from something that wasn't good, and you're looking to find something to make it good. If that is you, you are qualified for grace. If that is you, you are ready to receive God's grace. You are qualified. Verse 3 says this, that we used to follow the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. I don't know about you, but I used to be very selfish. I used to follow whatever I felt. I used to go with wherever, whatever the thoughts were. I used to go where it was good. I used to go where I felt better. I felt good. I felt right. But I never found life there. And maybe that's you. Maybe you, you're a social drinker at the local pub or bar. You just go there because you want to be with friends. And Well, now it's become an addiction. And now you're trapped in what you thought was a place where you could just be yourself and have a few drinks with some friends and, and just feel good about the self, just put the worries of life down for a moment. And now you found yourself trapped in that addiction to alcohol. Well, if that's you, you are no longer trapped because of the grace of Jesus Christ. You don't have to change a thing. You just have to be or allow God to change you. You don't have to strive and do things and try and get better. No, if you feel like you're not good enough to be with God, God wants you to know that his grace is good for you and that you are good for his grace. Now you might say, but Craig, I... I had it at one stage. I, I wasn't really an evil person. I, I grew up a Christian. I, I grew up walking with God. But there came a time in my life where I stepped away from God. I, I, I think I lost his grace. I lost my way, and I, and I no longer feel grace. Well, just like Adam and Eve, we never, ever lose grace. God's grace is ever-present. God's grace is ever-present. It will always be ready for you. It's not that we lose sight of grace. It's not that we lose our grace. It's not that we can sin grace away. No, we just allow blame and shame to come in the way of seeing God's grace. Just like Adam and Eve, when they felt that, hey, um, we, we're not good enough anymore. We've sinned and now we need to hide from God. God was present. God came looking for them, willing to offer them grace, but they hid from him. They allowed blame and shame to get in the way of God's grace. Grace is God's desire to love us despite our condition, 
Despite Adam and Eve having sinned, God came looking for them. He didn't want to come looking for them to punish them. No, he wanted to come looking for them to offer them grace and see if they would respond. But they couldn't respond because they had allowed their blame and their shame to get in the way. And when we think about it, when we have a look at Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have come short. On my own, I can't get God's grace. I just have to be willing to receive it. I need to push aside the blame and shame and be willing to receive God's grace. For all have sinned and come and fall short. Just like Adam and Eve, we're not going to be able to get it right every day. But if we turn towards blame and shame about what we got wrong in the day, we will slowly but surely push God's grace, his ever-present grace, away from us. We will reject God's grace. And God, in his wonderful grace, will never force himself on you. He will never force you to receive that grace. He will work with your decision. He wants you to put aside the blame and shame and know that his grace is for you right where you are right now. You see, the moment God saw that we had distanced and mankind had distanced himself from grace, he realized that man would start losing hope. Let's have a look at, at how it's put in Romans chapter 3 and verse 24. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is Jesus Christ. Wow. So once we allow ourselves to be aligned, justified, aligned to God's grace, once we allow ourselves to submit that he loves us despite our circumstance, once we allow ourselves to line up with that thought process of God, we put blame and shame out the way and know that God is not blaming us and he's not shaming us, that he loves us despite our condition. Once we do that, look at what it gives us. It gives us redemption through Jesus Christ. It gives us a hope. It gives us something to stand up and long for. So the moment God saw that mankind had lost that spark to look forward to, the moment he saw that hope was draining from mankind, the very first thing in Genesis that he mentions is Jesus Christ. He says, your seed will bruise uh, me, my seed in the heel, but my seed will bruise your seed in the head. You see, God spoke Jesus Christ. He spoke Easter in the moment that grace was rejected. The moment grace was rejected, Jesus, the greatest story of love, was spoken. And as you begin to walk a life thinking that you are not good enough for grace and you need to hide in blame and shame, the moment you do start doing that, God will speak Jesus' love into your life. That's what he wants you to do. Grace is just realizing that God wants to speak Jesus into your heart. He wants you to know the love that he has for you through Jesus Christ. That is why Easter is so huge. Despite our condition, God still wants to love us, and he wants to love us through the gift of Jesus Christ. We have been justified freely by this grace. Grace has indeed been given. Have a look at, at those next few verses again that we were reading from verse four. But God so rich in mercy that he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. He gave us life on Sunday. 
Easter Sunday, when he rose Christ from the dead, he gave us life and life in abundance. Even though we were walking around feeling dead, even though we were walking around feeling not good enough, even though we were walking around feeling rejected, alone, hurt, depressed, anxious, addicted, even though we were walking around in that condition, God still loved us. Even though we would rather die than live, God gave us life. The moment that is come for you and for me is to say, I receive it. I believe that I am fantastic and awesome despite the rottenness in my life. You see, when we begin to realize that despite the rottenness in our lives, we are called awesome, we begin living awesomeness and not rottenness. The same was true with the prodigal son. If you remember that story carefully, he came to a realization in his life that you know what? Even the servants back home are treated better than I am here in the pigs. So I'm living with the pigs. But you know what? Even if I just admit that this condition is not what I need to be and not what I'm designed to be, at least I'll take one step forward to awesomeness and I don't have to reside in the rottenness. Arthur Pink said it like this. He said, grace can either be bought, can either be bought, earned, or won by the creature, by you and me. If it could, it would cease to be grace. The moment you think that you have to do something to get into God's books, it's no longer grace, it's judgment. Because God's going to look and say, well, you didn't do it well enough. You didn't quite make it. That's not God saying that. That's the world saying that to keep you from experiencing the move from rottenness to awesomeness. The thief on the cross knew this as he, as he was about to die alongside Jesus. He hadn't started living a life. He hadn't been given an opportunity to change his ways. No, he was being executed because of his ways. He, he wasn't going to be given any more time to do the right thing, to do something better, to change his ways and to prove that he was now a good person. He was never going to have that opportunity. All he was, he was in a state of receiving grace. And as a result, he was loved by Jesus. Today, you will be with me in paradise. You see, Jesus knew that as soon as that man came to the place of realizing that it's not what I do or don't do, but it's what I receive, it's what I'm able to admit to God, it's when I can be embraced by God. I don't have to embrace God, it's being able to be embraced by God, despite my condition, that that is what is grace and that is what has been given. Romans chapter 5 and verse 15 says this, there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. Grace has been given freely to us. We don't have to do anything. We just have to admit that our current condition is not what God has called us to be in. We don't have to change our current condition. We just have to admit that God's way is better. And grace is there for the taking. It's been freely given and it is freely available, but it comes with some responsibility. You see, when we think of responsibility, we think of duty. We think of what we've got to do. But when we look at the first part of the word responsibility, it's response. We can't be given such an awesome gift 
and put it in the back of the cupboard and never respond to it. It's like receiving a wonderful, wonderful, massive gift. Maybe it's a brand new motor vehicle that someone purchases for you. Maybe it's, it's a massive, expensive gift that's given to you. Maybe it's a man on his knee offering you a beautiful ring to say, will you be my wife? And you just look at that gift, you look at that moment, you just stare and you make absolutely no response. You just stand there. The gift is being offered, but it's only received when we respond. So when we say that we need to use our grace responsibly, it means that we need to be living a life responding to God's grace, doing whatever it takes to demonstrate that our answer is yes, that we receive the gift. Our life is changed. We are not going to live according to the evil ways. We're not going to go back to the old way of living. No, we're going to press on from rottenness to awesomeness. Even when we don't feel awesome, we're going to believe that God calls us awesome, and we're going to respond how he calls us, not how we feel. Can I say that again? Grace means that we respond to God's grace by how he calls us, not by how we feel. We put our feelings above his call far too often and look at where it's got mankind. His grace on offer means that we can live a life responding to his call, responding to his promise, responding to how he sees us, not how the world sees us, and certainly not how we sometimes wake up in the morning feeling about ourselves. In verse 8 of our theme scripture, God saved you by his grace when you believed. When you responded in your heart, not by your deeds, not by doing anything, no, but by responding because of the grace that's been given to you, you simply believed that you were no longer rotten and that you were stepping into awesomeness through Jesus Christ. And you can't take credit for this gift. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Stanley Jones says it like this, grace is free, but once you take it on, you are bound forever to the giver of grace. You see, I've only got two masters that I, I can be bound to. The way I used to feel about myself, the world's way, Satan's way, or the way God feels about me. And you know what? I'd rather be bound to the way God feels about me, even though I'm not in a good condition. God can still see the good in me. God can still see the future in me. God can still see eternity in me. I'd rather be bound to that forever than to be bound to the depression and the dyingness, the deadness in me that I used to feel before I accepted this gift and responded to this gift of grace. Let's read Romans 6 and verse 1 to 4. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of this wonderful grace? And the scripture says, of course not. You see, we don't, we don't unsin our way into grace either. Just because we've been doing bad things before, now we think that we have to flip our lives over and, and live a life of goodness. No, well, that, that's true if we allow God to make that change in our lives. But if we're gonna try and work that goodness into our lives, we're actually in fact working from a place of blame and shame. Because we think we're not good enough, we're gonna try and work our way to being good enough. 
Well, that's working in blame. That's what Adam and Eve tried to do. They thought they were doing right by taking the fruit because they thought that they were making and doing it on their own and they had a solution to their own feelings. Well, when we try and do it on our own and try and make right without God making us right, well, that's working from a place of blame and shame anyway. But once I've received this gift, according to the scripture, of course I'm not going to want to go back to the previous life. Once I've been attached to being awesome, why would I want to return to the pigs? As soon as I've, I've realized that my condition is not where it should be, I've already received Jesus Christ by grace. I don't have to say some sinner's prayer, some long liturgy. I don't have to come to church 365 days out of the year. I don't have to read my Bible every moment of the day for God to pull me from my rottenness and make me awesome. As soon as I realize that I'm not good enough, I'm good enough for God. As soon as I realize that I need to put my things aside and step into God, I've been received by Jesus Christ. I might not even know how Jesus came. I might not even know the whole story of Jesus. It's not an academic thing. It's not an academic study that gives you grace in eternity. No, it's just saying, I can't do it on my own. I need God. And that is the moment that you might have taken right now in this message. You might have realized that the way you've been doing things is not good. It's not going to result in eternal good. Well, if it's eternally useless, it's eternally useless. Put it aside. It's never going to be, if it's not eternal, it's eternally useless. If it's not with God, it's away from God. So put it aside and just simply say, I'm not going to do it my way anymore. God, show me your way and listen and feel and sense his grace washing over your life. You've just received Jesus Christ into your life. You've just celebrated your first Easter, if that's you. You've just said yes to the wonderful awesomeness and not the rottenness of the world. That verse in Romans 6 continues, of course we don't sin just to experience God's grace. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Once I've turned my back to the old way, I don't need to walk in the old way anymore. I can now walk permanently in the new way. Have you not forgotten that we were joined with Jesus Christ in baptism? We joined him in his death, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we may also have new lives. You have a new life because of this Easter. That's what Easter means for you. That's what Easter means for me. It means that I no longer have to live as the old person. I'm no longer the wicked, evil, old Craig. No, I now live in the awesomeness of God. And as a result of the grace that he's given me, now I begin responsibly working with that grace, responding to that grace, working with that grace, and allowing that grace to work in me. When we receive grace, we re release that rottenness in us. The world no longer has authority over us to tell us who we are and what we are. We are now awesome. According to Luke 15, verse 17 to 19, he says this, when he finally came to his senses, this is the prodigal son, he said to himself, at home even the hired servants have food enough. I am no longer 
worthy of being called your son, he said to his dad. You see, he submitted himself. He humbled himself, this prodigal son did. And he said, you know what, dad? I'm no longer good enough even to be called your son because of what I've done. I need what you have on offer. I need you. And the father looked at him and said, despite the fact that you still smell like the pigs, you look rotten, you're not good enough, you've taken my money away, despite all of the things that you're feeling, I love you and I've never stopped loving you. And you will not just be a hired hand, you will be my son and you will be honored as my son because you have come to your senses and you have realized that the rottenness of this world is not what defines you, but the awesomeness that makes you my son. And that is the message that we receive this Easter. That is the message that we receive from God through his grace. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves to God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. This is the message of Easter. Because Jesus came, died, was buried, and was raised on the third day, you have hope. You have grace. What is grace? God's desire to love you despite your condition. Before we receive communion, let's pray together as we get ready for the biggest weekend in our year. Let's pray together. Father, prepare our hearts and our minds to realize the magnitude of your grace. Thank you for calling us from the rottenness that we are currently in to the awesomeness that your grace will provide. Father, thank you for the love. Thank you for the acceptance. Thank you for calling us who we are so that we can love as, and live as you see us and not how the world or we see ourselves. Father, thank you for this gift of Easter. We realize that the way we've been doing things before Easter would never result in joy and hope and love. But Father, we submit to you right now without doing anything, without trying to do anything. We just submit our lives to you so that your grace can wash over us and make us right. Thank you for Easter. Thank you for your son. And we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, as you know, our midweek service is a, is a time of, of communion. And uh, this will be the last time that we share communion before we, we go into Easter Friday. And on that night, he broke bread and, and, and drank wine with his disciples to represent the gift of grace. And he said, keep on receiving this gift as often as you can. Remind yourselves of this grace because otherwise you're going to forget and slip into a life of shame and blame. So no matter what you've got, whether you've got a, a piece of bread or a piece of gum and a cup of coffee and a glass of water, it doesn't matter. It's just a time for us to, to receive grace. You, you know, when we go and receive a meal at somebody else's home, when we go there and we're their guests, as we eat of that meal, we're almost eating in their hospitality. We're almost taking in what they've given us. And it's, it's an awesome experience to know that by simply breaking a piece of bread in, symbolically and drinking a cup of water or a cup of juice or whatever you've got, that, hey, you are, in fact, receiving, taking in God's grace for you. You don't have to do anything with it. You don't have to try and be better. You just have to acknowledge that the way you do it, 
is not great. In fact, that's rottenness. The way God wants to do it with you, despite your rottenness, is awesomeness. So in so breaking this bread and drinking this cup, we receive Jesus' body that was broken for us so that we might know of God's love for us. Take, eat, and know that you are loved despite your condition. Jesus wants you to know that no matter your circumstance, he pro- his promise is as genuine and as real as anything you can ever expect or imagine. He will never break his word. He will never prove false. This is not some, some scheme just to get you to be there so that he can, he can use and abuse you. No, he wants you to grow from your rottenness to your awesomeness. And his word is his bond. In fact, his word was so deep that he created a blood covenant to say, I will give my blood to prove that my word is that I love you and I want to do eternity with you. So take drink and know that Jesus loves you and that this Easter, his, his love is as available to you as to anyone else in any other circumstance or condition. He loves you and he wants you to know that. Drink and know that Jesus loves you. And so as we prepare for Easter, I want to pray and, and just let you know that here at Victory Life Church, we hope and pray that around the world, around the, the every, every family represented, every person on the, on, the, on, the, on the online platform that's been with us this whole year, may you have an incredibly blessed Easter. May it be a one where you are with the family of God, your family, or just with the fellowship of the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ. It does not matter. You are part of God's family. And as you receive not just his death on Good Friday, not just his journey towards resurrection on the Saturday, not just the glory of his resurrection on the Sunday, but the whole of Easter ready for you to make right in that which you cannot make right yourself. Know that God's hope for you and God's grace for you is available for you despite your condition. He loves you. May you have a blessed and phenomenal Easter. Look forward to being with you on Sunday as Pastor Dwayne brings us an incredible Easter message this weekend, all of Sunday. Remember, no Easter services on Saturday, just this Sunday as we celebrate all around the world. Thank you so much for being with us. Look forward to seeing you again soon here at Victory Life Church online.